Before we start, I want you to take, and I put index cards on the table, and I want you to, um, <clears throat> each one take one and write down anybody famous that you know or suspect has a learning difference or attention deficit disorder. And if you don't know any, that's fine. Okay, does anybody want to share what they wrote? If not, I have a list of about 500 that I can share. <laughs> um, you might be surprised, there are quite a few presidents that have had attention deficit disorder, a learning difference, or a combination of the two. Um, John F. Kennedy, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Woodrow Wilson, Abraham Lincoln, um, both George Bushes, um, Winston Churchill, Robert F. Kennedy, Anwar Sadat, many world leaders have um, had one or both or a combination. Um, many actors, Bill Cosby, um, Anne Bancroft, Kirk Douglas, artists, Vincent Van Gogh, Pablo Picasso, Ansel Adams, um, Albert Einstein, Alexander Graham Bell, you know, many of our um, very famous inventors had one or both. So I say that, I start with that to tell you um, just because you have a child with a learning difference or a attention deficit disorder does not mean they're doomed for failure. Um, the world may tell you that, but it's just simply not true because the, um, there are many, many successful people that have had one or both and um, often did very poorly in school, either had behavior problems, failing grades, you know, combination. But once they got out, they were able to use the gifts that um, God had given them because they weren't in this structured environment that the school creates that is not always um, the best environment or the easiest environment for a, kid, a child with attention deficit disorder or a learning difference. Um, I want to, now I want to go on to um, kind of our story. I've been married for 21 years. Um, from the time I was in eighth grade on, I wanted to be a special education teacher. Never wavered from that. Started at the University of Texas knowing that's what I wanted to do. Went after it. Um, got married after graduation and began teaching. And in the beginning, I taught um, a resource classroom where kids with learning differences and or attention deficit disorder were pulled out of the classroom for either reading or math or you know whatever their needs were. And I can so identify with your comment that I was empathizing with parents and when they were having trouble accepting that, I was like, I am not going to be that parent if I end up having a child with special needs. And after I had children, and I started, began to be faced with those issues, I fought it tooth and nail. So I can so identify being on the other side of that table. But I am, after teaching resource for a few years, I taught early childhood special ed, three to five year olds in the um, public schools with wide ranges of issues. Some of them um, pretty, pretty severe and then some with just um, speech and language disorders that were 
overcome. So I had a wide range, and then I taught preschool for five years after that, and then um, have been home with my two kids, Scott, who's 17, a junior in high school, and Hannah, who is 13 and in the seventh grade. Um, we have lived in Dallas um, since the 80s and have been at Watermark since the beginning. So our family has been very involved here at Watermark. And um, I come with all of this information today, and I want you to know I did get permission from my son to share all this, because while it is my story as a mom, it's really his story. And so I wanted him, I wanted to make sure that he was comfortable with it. And I am. Um, when, after Holly had asked me, and I said, let me talk to Scott and make sure he's okay with this, I said, I went to him and I told him what um, I was going to, y'all had asked me to speak on, and I said, are you okay with that? I said, it is going to be recorded, so anybody, you know, any of your friends that got a hold of it could hear all of this. And he looked right at me, and I, and I tell you this because it does make me proud, but I also tell you because um, it should give you hope if you have a child with attention deficit disorder or a learning difference. He looked right at me and he said, Mom, it's the way God made me. It's who I am. You can tell him anything you want to tell him about me. And so I was really thankful for that because that has not always been, what, that is not what his response would have always been. But today that is, that is truly how he feels. Um, our journey started, um, he was a typical preschooler. He was not hyper. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the first adjectives that I would have used to describe him was shy. Um, he was very quiet, um, tentative to go and seek out things on his own. If I, um, you know, would ask him to go do something, he just wouldn't do it. He had a fear, you know, just wouldn't do it. Um, just very typical preschooler. Went to kindergarten. Um, had a great kindergarten year, no, and he he is an April birthday, so he's he's younger for his grade. Um, kindergarten teacher never mentioned any issues of any kind. Did great. Um, recommended him go on, going on to first grade, even though he was younger. And a lot of kids were being held back. So I'm thinking, great, we are we're good. Well, first grade came along. He had another great teacher. And by the end of first grade, she began saying, um, you know, I don't know what it is, but Scott is not working to his potential. He is much smarter than what we're getting out of him. And she said, I don't know what it is. Well, because I did not want to think there was a learning issue or an attention issue, I began um, thinking, he's not trying hard enough. He's being lazy. And... It's one of the greatest mistakes I've made as a mom, and I've made many, many mistakes. And I really began, I, I, well, I was pretty hard on it. And you need to be working harder, you need to be trying harder, you know, let's, let's do this, let's do this. And um, second grade came along, and he did. He worked harder. Scott has a great work, work ethic and really has from a young age. Um, but things were still just not quite right second grade teacher continued saying the same things that the first grade teacher was saying. Don't know what it is. And nobody, nobody was recommending testing. Nobody had mentioned attention deficit disorder. It was just there's something there. 
Um, well, by third grade, we could not ignore it anymore. He could read okay, but there was very little comprehension. And by third grade, there should have been some significant comprehension. And so at this point, my educational background and training started kicking in, and I could no longer deny there probably is a learning issue here. So we started um, with testing with a speech um, and language therapist and an audiologist. And she did some testing and discovered that he did have some auditory processing issues. And primarily with Scott, um, all of us here, words come into our ears and then there's an auditory pathway that takes that information to the brain and that's what, you know, that's how you understand what you have heard. Well, she discovered that um, one of Scott's auditory pathways on his right side was overdeveloped and the left one was non-existent, which meant that anything that came in on the left side never went anywhere. He never really heard it. And so it didn't get into the brain. So they estimated that he was only hearing one to two-thirds of what was being said around him. Therefore, he had lots of lapses in vocabulary because he wasn't really hearing and understanding the words. Thus, um, a big part for lack of um, comprehension when he was reading because he was reading these words that he possibly hadn't heard. So we began therapy for that, um, working on that, um, comprehension was getting a little bit better, but um, teachers continued to say, we, we haven't uncovered everything. And so we did some comprehensive testing, um, IQ testing, um, the, just a whole battery of tests that a diagnost diagnostician would give when you are trying to understand if your child has a learning difference. That testing came back, and sure enough, he was diagnosed with what they termed then, they still, it's still what um, is in his testing, is that he has a learning difference of non-specified origin, which is much broader than dyslexia. Dyslexia is a component of that, but he has more than, than dyslexia. And the way they described it to us at that time was it's like his brain is a piece of Swiss cheese with lots of holes in it. Some of these holes can be filled in, completely filled in, just by retraining the brain, and some of them can just be made smaller and he'll learn to compensate. And they also said the reason in first and second grade they kept telling us that um, something's just not quite right but we don't know what it is, is he has a very high intelligence. And so they were seeing that and, you know, just his conversations and what he was learning, it just wasn't coming out in his written work, in his comprehension, in his reading, you know, all of that kind of thing. So that um, began, got us on the journey of lots of different therapies, tutoring, working really hard at trying to fill in that Swiss cheese and at least make it baby Swiss, if not, you know, just a solid, solid piece, which they gave us a lot of hope that we could do that. So he went through an intensive course of alphabetic phonics one-on-one, -on -one, um, which made tremendous difference. And all of a sudden, he was actually enjoying um, reading. Still not his favorite thing today, but 
it was like he understood for the first time, and this was late third grade, early fourth grade, he understood for the first time the purpose in reading because he was understanding it. He had finished alphabet, alphabetic phonics, um, but still wasn't comprehending and reading at the level he should be at. So we had, and the Lord has been very, very gracious throughout this whole journey to provide the people we need at the time we needed them. And we had this wonderful woman who did his alphabetic phonics one-on-one who was just amazing, had a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge, had worked with a lot of kids. And she said, "Um, you know, I think I don't think he's visualizing what he's reading. And if you think about it, when you're reading, you get word pictures in your brain. And that is part of comprehension. Well, there are kids that cannot make those word pictures in their brain. So she did some, she did some informal testing. Sure enough, he wasn't um, making those word pictures in his brain. So then we started on um, another therapy called the Linda Mood Bell reading, ther- reading Therapy. And it basically trained his brain to make those word pictures. And um, his reading really took off after that. And one funny thing with that, I used to say, you know, we'd be at the grocery store and I'd say, run over there and get the, um, you know, Ritz crackers or whatever. And I could see in my brain that aisle at the grocery store and I could tell him, you know, it's in the middle of the aisle, you know, because I could just, I could visualize it in my brain. And one day we were at the grocery store and he said, how do you know where it is? And I said, well, I can just picture it. And he said, why have I never been able to do that? And that was in the, when we were just starting this therapy. And a few months later, um, we were at the grocery store and he goes, Mom, now I can tell you what's on what aisle at the grocery store. And that's when I knew that he had, that the therapy was working and he was really able to start making those pictures in his brain. Um, so then we just, we kept um, plugging along at that point. And um, by the end of fourth grade, his teacher, who was a great teacher, said, um, you know, I, I still think there's some more here. I don't think we've uncovered it all. And by now, Scott Shy would not have been a word you would have used to describe him. And for those of you that know him, it's probably hard for you to imagine that um, that was ever a word that was used to describe him. He was, by this point, he was very outgoing, um, talked a lot, but never was a behavior problem in school. It wasn't like he was always getting in trouble for talking, but in class discussions, he was always the leader in those, never was short on words. Um, and she said, but I, I still think we're missing something here, and I want you to consider um, the possibility of attention deficit disorder. Well, that was the last thing I wanted to hear, and I got really mad. He does not have attention deficit disorder. He is not hyper. He is not a behavioral issue. And I named off all the things that you know, were the first things that came to my mind when I heard attention deficit disorder. And I ignored her. I said, we're not going there because I don't, you know, I even said, I'm a special ed teacher. He doesn't have attention deficit disorder. Well, my definition of attention deficit disorder at that time was the classic 
attention deficit disorder. Well, there are six kinds of attention deficit disorder. Classic being the most prominent, and then inattentive, and then there's four other, other types that are much less um, known. And so we went through fifth grade. He really struggled. We, he was at a um, private school. We thought about pulling him out and taking him, putting him at Shelton. Really, we're on the road to doing that. And Shelton said, you know, I don't think he needs to come here um, just because of the makeup of the class that he would have been in. She said, I, we can help him. I just don't know that we can challenge him. Work with your school and see about one more year there. So we did. We stayed another year, but it was a struggle. Um, and so in sixth grade, he had this wonderful teacher who happens to have attention deficit disorder. And she just sat me down and she said, I know you've been told this. I know you have just kept it at arm's length, but we really need to look at this. And so, it, you know, this is over about an 18-month process. It was in my brain, and I just kept saying, Lord, he has a learning difference. Why this too? And I don't want all those negative connotations. Um, you know, these are bad kids. That's, that was my thought process. And, um, but finally, I, I had to listen. I mean, these teachers were wonderful teachers. They loved my child. They cared about him. They wanted him to succeed. And by this point, I was, um, sorry, I was hindering him. And so we, we began the process of um, testing for that. And um, sure enough, he was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder in a tennis type, which was not a type I knew much about, even as a special ed teacher. Um, you know, I remember learning it in school, but it was really, they focused on the classic attention deficit disorder. And basically, um, you know, he would be sitting there perfectly behaved, looking like he was doing what he was supposed to be doing, but his mind was a million miles away. And um, so we started, we looked into lots of different treatment options and um, made the decision after, over many months after the diagnosis of um, trying medication along with other things. And um, it made a profound difference. I mean, he was just, the teacher said he just came alive in the classroom. And that was really fun to see. Um, seventh and eighth grade were, um, school is still hard for Scott. Between the combination of the learning difference and the ADD, school was hard. But um, he has an incredible work ethic, works really hard, and wants to succeed. And that, that's a tremendous blessing. Um, but as puberty hit, we shifted from that inattentive ADD to a more classic ADD. He became more hyper, more impulsive, you know, just kind of all of the um, class, you know, classic things you hear about attention deficit disorder. Still, it's not a behavior problem. He really has never been a behavior problem in school to where he's been in trouble. You know, he's not... Sorry. Um, 
he's not in tr- he has not been in trouble. You know, his detentions have been, his shirt's been untucked, he's been tardy, you know, that kind of thing. It's not behavioral classroom issues. But there was still a very definite change in um, the type of attention deficit that he had. And it... Um, we began, you know, doing some other things. We started um, with an academic coach who could really help him be organized, and it got to the point where I had been doing all of that with them, and it was really starting to hurt our relationship because I did not always handle my frustration well, and um, he he felt my frustration, and um, I mean, home was still a safe place. I don't mean it that way, but he began just holding stuff in because he didn't want to frustrate mom. And so we, we started looking to other people and teachers and peers to help with that. And it made, you know, it, was, it made a great difference um, in that. Along the same time, um, he, he was very involved here at Watermark in the student ministry. And I have to tell you, that has been one of the greatest blessings in his life. And um, now, today... As a junior in high school, impulsivity is still one of his big struggles. And the way that manifests itself in Scott is talking before he thinks. And he will say things that are hurtful, that um, are inappropriate, you know, and not necessarily bad, but it, it's inappropriate in the context it's in or the company that it's in or it's things that will, you know, he's, whatever's on his mind, he will say them. And it has, it has caused great pain in his life. Um, he's grown in the midst of that. But one of the greatest things that has helped him in the past probably 12 to 18 months is his small group here at Watermark and the, um, that community around him. And these boys love him and they care about him. And they're getting in his face now. And it's that positive peer pressure and accountability that um, is really helping him with what is still probably his biggest struggle, and that's the impulsivity. So school is still a struggle. It's not his favorite thing. Um, If he could graduate and move on without actually finishing school, that would be his choice. Reading is, is still not something he chooses to do on his own, although he can do it just fine. And, you know, I'm amazed that when he when it's something he's passionate about, like flying, he'll, he can tell you everything the FAA flight manual says, but he can't necessarily tell you what's in his literature book that the teacher wants him to read. So he's perfectly capable, but it's not his favorite thing and it's not what he would choose. But my goal in telling you all this is Scott's a great kid, and I know I say that because he's my kid, but um, he loves the Lord. I've never been able to say this without crying. I was determined I was going to not cry today. But um, it's taken me a long time, a lot of years, and a lot of pain to be able to say this, that God has used his learning difference and his attention deficit disorder to make him into the 17-year-old young man that he is today who loves the Lord, who serves him, who loves his friends, is compassionate, um, is liked by his friends, by his teachers, is a leader at his school, and, you know, maybe he would be there today without the learning difference in the attention deficit disorder. I don't know, but I know God has used it in his life 
to um, stand up for himself, to rely on the Lord. You know, all the things that we want our kids to be doing by the time they're 17. And so for that, I have to say I'm thankful for it. And I wouldn't have said that five or six years ago. But um, I clearly see the, the way God has used it in his life to make him who he is and molding him into the man he ultimately wants him to be. He's a kid that, um, you know, is not close to an A student. He's a BC student, um, and that's okay with him. Um, hadn't always been okay with him, um, but, it is, but it is okay with him today. And one of the things that I think has helped in getting him to the point that he's okay with that is Van and I are okay with it. And, you know, as a parent, I was, you know, I wanted the top, you know, an average kid at least, if not an above average kid whose school was easy for and not a struggle. And, you know, I had to grow. The Lord used that to grow me. And, um, you know, we, we had to get to the point where we could say, Oh, great. You made a 72 on that test. Well, you know what? You worked really hard. You studied hard. You did the best you could. I never thought that I would be encouraging my child because they made a 72 on an exam. But if I knew he had truly worked hard, he had studied, he had put forth his best effort, I had to be okay with that. And that was hard for me. And the Lord had to teach me and get me to a place where I could be there. Um, and so school grades have not been a battle. Now, we don't accept, the, you know, when we know he hasn't worked hard, there are consequences just like there would be for, in, for any child. But we have made a very distinct difference of when we know you're working hard and you don't make a good grade versus when you just blew it off, you didn't get it turned in, whatever the case might be. So um, that's kind of our personal story, our journey, it's not over. As you can see from that, a learning difference or attention deficit disorder is a marathon. It is not a sprint. There is no easy fix. Um, I, have, I, have, I have not personally had teachers tell me, but I have friends whose teachers have said, if you would just put them on medication, everything would be fine. That is not true. It can help some kids. Um, it does not help all kids. And it's not, no matter what, even if it helps your child, it's, it's not the only answer, and it's not the magic bullet. So um, my, my goal now for, is just that you leave here today with hope, that if you have a child with a learning disability or attention deficit disorder, it does not mean doom and gloom. Yes, it probably does mean pain. Yes, it probably does mean struggle. Um, yes, it probably means wrestling with the Lord some, um, but God can use all of that in your life as a mom and um, hopefully in your husband's life and also in your child's life. And I've even seen it be used in my daughter's life. And um, it's, you know, it's been a really sweet thing to clearly see the Lord in his sovereignty. And one thing you know, we always tell Scott is, you're created in God's image. And God says that he created you in his image, and it was good. And God doesn't make mistakes. And if I have said that one time to him, I've said it a million times to him. 
so um, before I go on and talk about kind of what attention deficit disorder is, um, I want you to write down the first five things that come to your mind when you hear attention deficit disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So just on that card I gave you, just write down the um, top five, first five things. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, how many of you wrote down creative? How many of you wrote down artistic? How many of you wrote down intuitive? Don't feel bad if you didn't. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. So don't, don't feel bad. How many of you um, wrote down empathetic, visionary, inventive, sensitive, original, loving, exuberant? It's exactly what I expected. Um, but those, that's not just a positive spin on attention deficit disorder, it really is, those really are the most, um, most people with ADD have all of those characteristics or traits, um, but they're not the ones we think of because the world has told us it's a very negative thing with very negative consequences. And I am, um, I'm going to hand this out in just a sec. Well, Somebody want to go ahead and start handing it out? We're going to talk about it in just a minute. Um, I just have found this author who has done a lot of research um, on attention deficit disorder. He is, uh, his name is Edward Hallowell. He um, has attention deficit disorder himself. Two of his four children have attention deficit disorder. And um, he is a psychiatrist who's practice is primarily um, children and adults with attention deficit disorder. So he has lots of experience from lots of different perspectives and he's written lots of books. At the end, I'm going to hand you out a sheet that has all of these books and resources on it, listed on it, so you'll have that to take home. But um, he has a way of explaining to children when they're diagnosed with attention deficit disorder and explaining to them what it is because it's really hard to pinpoint a definition for attention deficit disorder. It's hard to test for attention deficit disorder. There is no one test that says conclusively, oh, this is what you have. It's really um, from just history, um, looking at traits and personalities and that sort of thing that um, leads to a diagnosis um, for attention deficit disorder. But the way he explains it, which I just, I wished I had known this back in third and fourth grade. I may not have been so hostile to the idea of attention deficit disorder in my child. But he says, it's a Ferrari brain with bicycle brakes. And that is so true of my son and other kids I know with attention deficit disorder. Their mind thinks so fast, but they cannot slow it down. And I just, I just love that definition. But um, what attention deficit, the easiest scientific definition that I could find, um, because most of them were pages long, because it's not concise, it's complicated, was attention deficit disorder is when the inhibitory circuit in the brain fails to work properly 
then you get distractibility, impulsivity, and hyperactivity, or a combination of those three. Um, on that sheet that I just gave you, here's mine. Um, Hallowell likes to approach attention deficit disorder from a strength-based model, and a strength-based model um, accentuates the positive and deals with the negative. And he um, lists these traits. There are negative traits to attention deficit disorder, and there are positive traits. And those positive traits are a mirror of the negative trait. So for distractible, and a child with attention deficit disorder is distractible, but that also means they're curious. And curious can be an incredible asset. They're impulsive, but they're also creative. They're hyperactive. They're energetic. They're intrusive. They're eager. They can't stay on point. They see connections that others don't see, um, which that one is one, one of the things that makes a traditional classroom really hard for an attention deficit disordered child because they're out-of-the-box thinkers. And they, you know, they don't necessarily see and understand things the way most of us do. They think out of the box, and sometimes you're like, wow, where did that come from? Um, but it's not always um, what teachers like to see and hear in a traditional classroom. Um, they're forgetful, but they can totally get absorbed in what they're doing. They're disorganized, but they're spontaneous. They're stubborn, but they're persistent. They won't give up. They're inconsistent. They show flashes of brilliance. Um, they're moody. They're also very sensitive. So for all those negatives, there's that very positive mirror trait. And the problem is the world focuses on those negatives. Schools, parents, peers, they focus on those negatives and not the positive because the negatives take more attention. They tend to cause more problems. So Hallowell's whole premise is, if you can look at it from the positive element and deal with the negative, you're going to have more success. And um, he um, says, if you, can, if you can make all of these traits, the positive and the negative, neutral, you will have, um, you know, to where they're viewed as neither good nor bad then you're going to take away the fear and shame for the child in all of those. And so, in other words, um, distractible is neither good nor bad. It's dependent, it depends on how it's used. Or um, curious. Well, if you're so curious that you're interrupting the teacher and you can't listen, you can't focus, then that's, a ne that's negative. But if you're so curious that you keep delving deeper and you find some, um, you know, great chemistry formula that leads to, you know, some invention, well, that's a great thing. So it can be all these traits, the negative and the positive, can be good or bad. It's just how they're used. Um, and so view them as, as neutral. Um, ADD and LD, for that matter, I'm focusing more on ADD because it's a little bit easier to, to focus in on than LD because there are, you know, thousands and thousands of different learning differences. 
But um, a child that has a learning difference or attention deficit disorder um, can often have self-esteem issues. And that has been true with Scott. His self-esteem at times has been very, very fragile. And it's, that's our primary job as a parent is to build up that self-esteem, not use the attention deficit disorder or the learning difference as an excuse, for sure not use it as an excuse to allow inappropriate behavior, getting away with things or whatever, but just to build up that self-esteem that, yes, I know it takes you longer to do your schoolwork, but you can do it. And just constantly um, building them up and recognizing that um, home may be one of the only places they get built up because at school, chances are they're getting bombarded by peers and by teachers of sit still, you know, just constantly being told the mistakes they're making. And for us, um, home has been the safest place and watermark. And um, the on your mark ministry when he was in elementary school and then student ministries. This, for Scott, he just really plugged in here and it has been a very, very safe place. He can succeed here. Nobody's belittling and berating him. He's accepted for who he is. And that has been a tremendous blessing. And I say that um, to encourage you, whether your child has an LD or ADD or not, they need to have places that they can feel successful. Um, and for a lot of kids, that is school. School is a place that's fun and easy, and they find a lot of success. But not for, not for all kids, even if they don't have an LD or, an, or ADD. And so be sure that you find some place that your kid is successful. It, it may be student ministries. It may be a sport. It may be school, but just make sure they have some place and really encourage them in those successes. Um, okay, when do you worry if your child has ADD? Um, you know, this, this one, I think, is a hard question. I think it's a hard question to answer. My opinion is um, you're really careful when they're young, when they're preschoolers. I, ha I hear a lot of moms talking about they think their two, three, four-year-old has attention deficit disorder. They may. They really may. But it's not something you need to focus on. You need to be aware of it. It's not something you need to focus on and dwell on at that point in time. Because often in children that young, immaturity, um, just lack of self-control, um, what I call, um, and I've read about it in several of these different books by different authors, societal ADD, where we're just, we overschedule ourselves and our kids for periods of time, and you know, we're running from activity to activity. Well, all of those kinds of things, it may look like, attention deficit disorder at times, but it's not really attention deficit disorder. You may see some of these characteristics in your child at that time, but it does not mean they are truly ADD. Um, so 
it's harder. Um, I mean, when they're younger, it's harder to know, is it immaturity? Is it one of these other things? Now, by the time they get to be school-aged, if you're suspecting it, if maybe a teacher's expect, suspecting it, and it's, it's inhibiting learning, it's inhibiting forming of relationships, all those kinds of things, then you need to really start paying attention to it. And the things that um, I would say to do, that if you, you suspect your child has ADD, this is a list of things I would encourage you to do. And really, especially for preschoolers, they're things that would be great for all preschoolers, whether you suspect a learning difference or attention deficit disorder or not. But the very first thing I would tell you to do is learn everything you can on the subject. We have been at this for the attention deficit disorder part for um, eight years now, and I still do not know everything there is to know about it. And I have read, Van and I both have read a lot about it. We've studied it. We've talked to people. We've gone to different experts. Um, and, and we don't even come close to knowing it all. But we read everything we can. We try to be informed as, informed as we can. When new studies come out, we read them. So I would just encourage you, learn everything you can on the subject. Don't take your neighbor's definition for it. Don't take just the teacher's view or the school's view. Learn, learn about it for yourself so that you can filter out when people are coming at you just with the world's definitions and often the negative connotations, you need to just, you know, learn it. Do, do your own research. Don't just accept what other people tell you. Um, and so if you have a preschooler that you're suspecting may, start learning about it. If you don't need it for your own child, you will need it for one of your children's friends. You will need it for an adult you come in contact with. Um, somebody in your life will need it. And if you've learned about it, um, simply because you suspect that your child might have it, um, you'll be able to love these kids and adults, for that matter, better. Because there will be somebody in your life with attention deficit disorder, even if it's not your own child. So I say that to just encourage you, your time won't be wasted if you learn about it. The second thing is go slow and understand the facts. Like I said earlier, there is no magic bullet. There's no one easy answer. And so there's, we don't need to be reactionary. We need to understand it, proceed um, cautiously. And, um, and, just, and remember, there's, just, there's not a quick fix. It is a, it is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, and all these things, this list, I'm going to hand out to you at the end. So you'll have it um, on a sheet when you leave. Um, discipline consistently. Kids with attention deficit disorder need structure. Um, they need defined limits. All kids do, though. But attention deficit disorder kids really need those defined limits. Don't lower your expectations. Be realistic in your expectations, but don't lower them and use attention deficit disorder as an excuse for behavior because you want them to grow, to grow through that impulsivity and 
you know, the other negative things about attention deficit disorder. Um, use touch in your conversation in your giving of it, when you're giving directions, ask, excuse me, asking them to do things. Um, one of the mistakes I often made early on in this journey was I'd be in the kitchen, Scott would be in the playroom next to the kitchen, and I would be, you know, facing the sink, the playroom's back over here, and I would be spatting out directions. Well, often he couldn't get one of them, much less the three I had given him. And so look at them. Have eye contact with them. Walk over and touch their shoulder. You know, Scott, I need you to go pick up your room so that you're sure you have made that connection with them because otherwise they just may be hearing noise and their mind may be so focused on something else that they truly didn't hear you even though they were 10 feet away. And so um, use that touch in conversation. And then if you're finding that you're giving, you know, go pick up your room, hang your towels up, and make up your bed. And only one of those things is getting done. Break it down into a more manageable task. Go pick up your room. Then go make up your bed, pick up your towels, you know, whatever it might be. Really break it down until they're successful at, you know, one, two, three, you know, or four-step directions. The other thing is, um, in addition to using touch and eye contact, use their name. Scott, I need you to. They all, kids always are going to respond to their name. They're no, they know, there's no question you're focused on them. So use their name. Um, one, of, one of the things that has just been a saving grace to us, especially in the summers when there's not as much structure, is exercise. Research has shown that um, lack of exercise can make characteristics of attention deficit disorder much more pronounced and that good exercise and lots of exercise sometimes can really... Um, limit the um, noticeability of these traits. And so, you know, in the summers, during the school year, and as he's gotten into high school, it's not been as big of an issue, but during the school year, he would, he would typically get enough exercise through athletics and PE. But in the summers, I mean, there are days that when he is just bouncing off the walls, even if he's exercised some, I just have to look at him and go, you need to go run around the block. You need to go jump on the trampoline for 20 minutes straight. Something, and I kid you not, that exercise does something, something to the chemicals in the brain, and it really does calm them down. And so, um, you know, make sure your kids are getting plenty of exercise. Um, make sure they're eating right. Good, balanced diet. Um, one of the things that we have done that we, we had success with, not everybody might, might have success with this, but we did, was limiting, um, okay, now I can't even find it. Okay, um, sorry, limiting um, sugar and caffeine intake. That made a big difference in Scott, was limiting that. There are, there are diets out there that um, there are some people that use them as a form of treatment, and for some kids that works really well. Um, what we found best as far as the eating and diet was just um, limiting his sugar and caffeine. Um, I think I already mentioned this one. Break down larger tasks into manageable tasks. So like if you have a three-year-old 
that is um, working on a puzzle, and they're, it's a 20-piece puzzle, and they're getting really frustrated, and they can't complete that task, so they get up and walk away and won't come back to it. Have them try a puzzle with five pieces, with eight pieces, something that they can have success with and complete that task, and then build upon that. But don't expect them to complete a task that may be too hard for them. They're going to get frustrated, and then they won't come back to it because you want them to learn the importance of completing tasks, but make sure the task is manageable for them, especially at the um, preschool level. That's one thing because um, not completing tasks is often um, a struggle for kids with attention deficit disorder. Their mind just gets wandering onto something else, and they never come back to it. And so if you're suspecting that in your toddler, maybe it's immaturity. Maybe they're just trying things that are too hard for them. Maybe it's attention deficit disorder. It doesn't really matter. Just break it down into a manageable task for them, um, and that will help them. The other thing is, and it's probably not real popular in today's culture, but limiting electronics. Um, the video games, the computer, all of that um, really does exacerbate characteristics of attention deficit disorder. Um, even if it's kind of back to that societal ADD, even if your child doesn't really have attention deficit disorder, you may start seeing some of these characteristics if they're getting that stimulation, um, too much of that stimulation. Um, and this probably should have been number one. But compliment them often, notice their successes, and really point those out to them, especially if you do have that diagnosis of learning difference or attention deficit disorder, because they don't get complimented a lot. Um, so you really have to almost go out of your way to find um, things to compliment them about, even if it's simple and you wouldn't even think about it with another kid. Um, and then I've said this several times this morning, don't ever use ADD as an excuse. Don't let them get away with that, that just because they have ADD, they can be aloof, they don't have to finish their tasks, they don't have to get their room organized, you know, whatever. You know, make sure your expectations are um, relevant for them. I mean, that they, that they can do whatever you're asking, but don't lower them um, simply because they have attention deficit disorder. You can expect great things from these kids. You may have to help them through it a little bit more and break down the journey to get to that expectation, but they can, they can achieve it. And I think sometimes we do a disservice to these kids by going, oh, well, they've got attention deficit disorder. doesn't matter. It does matter. Um, and so don't ever, don't ever use attention deficit disorder or a learning difference as an excuse. Um, that is, well, let me talk about um, some of these books that we have found very helpful. Um, Hallowell is probably my favorite author on the subject um, right now, and he has written... Um, Driven to Distraction, Answers to Distraction, and my very favorite that just came out in January is Super Parenting for ADD. It is a fabulous book, and it, this is the one that he, 
He alludes to the strength-based model in his other books, but this really outlines the strength-based model and coming at attention deficit disorder from a positive perspective rather than the negative, negative perspective that um, so many of them do. Um, Daniel Amen is a doctor out in California, and he's doing a lot of cutting-edge research on attention deficit disorder and learning differences primarily attention deficit disorder, and that he's using um, MRIs to pinpoint parts of the brain to really um, determine which of the six types of ADD it is and what the very best treatment plan is. Um, they're starting to have some success with um, biofeedback and retraining the brain and making some of those neurological pathways that aren't connecting um, connect so that it does um, limit the um, characteristics of attention deficit disorder. Um, on this sheet that I'm going to hand out now that's just kind of a summary of what I talked about, all of those books are listed on the back in addition to um, three books by Dr. Mel Levine. I have loaned mine out so I didn't have them to bring today, but they're a mind at a time. The Myth of Laziness, Ready or Not, Here Life Comes, which is geared more for high school kids that are getting ready to go um, to college and to be on their own. And then um, I've also listed two websites. One is Charles Schwab's Foundation for Learning has a website. Charles Schwab is a um, man with attention deficit disorder and a learning difference. And he and his wife have established a foundation with a initially with the primary focus of helping kids in school because he was berated and belittled. He has a great story of just school was miserable for him. He was at best a C student and was told he would never amount to anything, never succeed in life, and we all know that that is not the case. Um, and so he, they have this foundation and part of the foundation is this website that has great information, great tools for um, research, ideas, you know, it's just, it's a great website to get information on um, LD and ADD. Um, and then Edward Hallowell has a website that is um, Hallowell Connections. And it's a great website and they email me every week a tip of the week of just some tip to deal with an ADD person in your life or for an ADD person, you know, to help them be more successful. So that, that website has um, a lot of great information, too. And then um, the other thing I put on here are um, verses, and these verses are verses we have claimed, we have staked our journey on, we have just repeated them over and over to Scott, and we have prayed these verses for both of our kids, but some of them more specifically for Scott, um, because... And, and I truly believe that that clinging to these verses, especially like Jeremiah 29:11, that God does have a plan. And you know, one of the things I've had to learn as a mom is I've had to set aside what I thought it was going to look like and the plan I thought it was going to take. And God has really grown me in that area. And it's painful at times. I mean, as a high school junior, you know, the topic of conversation is colleges and SAT scores and 
you know, all of that. And I have had to literally remove myself from some of those conversations because it's so painful um, when, you know, I have to say that that school is not an option for us. And they look at me like I'm an alien, you know, these other moms, because they don't have a clue what it's like because school has been easy for their kids. And so I, ha- I have to go back to God's Word, and I have to go back to the truth of it, that God does have a plan. And um, if, if I were honest, I would tell you, there have been times, I don't know if he'll go to college. I, I really don't. And I can tell you today, he is going to college. He's got some great schools that he's looking at. Um, and I know and I know he will, he will succeed there. But... I don't know that I could have always said that in the midst of struggles and pain and frustration. But God is faithful. You cling to his word. You cling to his truth. And, um, you know, all of these verses speak to the fact that we are here to glorify God. He has a purpose for it. I don't know why he allowed a learning difference and attention deficit disorder into my son and into our family. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt he has used it in all of our lives and especially in his and I just I see great things in my son and um, I really look forward to seeing how he continues to use those gifts Um, so that's really all I have to say if anybody um, has questions I will try to answer them I probably won't have all the answers but I will I will do the best I can or tell you the best place I think you can find the answer no, not opposed to it at all. Scott has been um, on medication since sixth grade, several different ones. Um, they're all similar in nature, not all of them, but there's a whole group of them. They're very similar in nature, um, but they don't all work the same. We tried The first one we tried was an absolute disaster um, for him. He became very angry. Um, he wasn't sleeping well. He wasn't eating well. And it happened to be right when puberty was hitting. So, unfortunately, we were like, this is what teenagers are going to be like. And then, thankfully, it wasn't too long that we realized, you know what, this may be the medication. Took him off that, put him on another one, and he had no side effects, responded very well to it. But we have never um, used just medication. We have had other um, things that we have done, you know, various therapies, um, the academic coaching, um, you know, diff- there, there's a whole array. We've tried fish oil, um, vitamins, which is not proven yet that it is making a difference with attention, but there are studies suggesting that it, it does um, make a difference. So there are um, very regimented diets and vitamin regimens that some people have had success with. So there's all, all types of things. Scott currently is not on a um, stimulant medication, primarily because he got to the point where he just said, I'm not taking it anymore, I'm done with it. So he is on a um, non-stimulant medication that, that is working for him. It's not a medication that works for everybody, but right now it, he's having enough success. That coupled with maturity, his community coming around him and really working with on him on some of the things he struggles with has, um, is a good combination for him right now. So we've tried lots of different things. Um, I, 
I just would say don't jump into it and think that's the only answer. That's, that's my only point on the medication. Renee. Okay, Renee asked what doctor, um, I forgot, sorry, what um, doctor oversees the medication process. To get an official diagnosis for attention deficit disorder, you have to have a neurologist, a psychiatrist, or a behavioral pediatrician to do that testing and diagnosis. One of those three, not all three. Um, and then any one of those three can prescribe the medication. Um, we, we currently see a psychiatrist um, who specializes in attention deficit disorder. Um, we have also used our pediatrician for a short period of time. We had, we had this wonderful, wonderful doctor and counselor um, who was a behavioral pediatrician, Paul Warren, um, who has written books. Um, but he died unexpectedly a couple of years ago in, in the interim of finding um, another doctor you know, our pediatrician just stepped in, but by that point we already had the diagnosis. We had a treatment plan that was working and he was just, um, you know, maintaining it. Um, does, that, does that help? Um, Michelle asks, if you know your child has attention deficit disorder, would you recommend um, an alternative path to school? Um, because schools are not always set up for these kids. You know, that's a hard question to answer, and I really think it's individualized on the kid. There are some teachers in some schools that, um, and Hallowell and Super Parenting for ADD really list those type of schools out that are great for these kids. Sometimes it's individual teachers within a school, and sometimes the kids, you know, depending on the severity of their attention deficit, um, can adapt really well. Um, you know, I hate to say that it's kind of a trial and error thing, but, um, you know, Scott has been at the same school since kindergarten. It's a K-12 school. He's at um, Trinity Christian Academy. And um, it's not a perfect school, but it has been a great place for him. Um, they have been very accommodating to his needs. And from fifth up until ninth grade, every year we looked at moving him into another situation and just through various things each year felt like no let's try one more year and I can tell you today is that now that he's a junior in high school I'm really thankful that it worked out that way and um, so I just think it depends on on you know different children are going to be different ways there are lots of children with attention deficit disorders that succeed just fine in school Yes, there can be struggles. Yes, you know, it can be hard at times, but overall they have a lot of success in, you know, just normal, traditional, public and or private classroom type situations. We were in a, she asked it on the therapies, was that something um, that the schools offered or did we have to do that on, on our own? We were in a private school, so we did have to do it on our own. Um, the way our school was set up is they had, um, like Alphabetic Phonics, they have um, licensed therapists that come into the school. So he would be pulled out of, 
you know, a non-academic time of the day um, to go do alphabetic phonics, but we had to pay separately for that. Um, public schools, you would have more options for um, those therapies. Um, there still may be some very specialized therapies you would have to do on your own, but under state law, um, schools have to provide, um, I don't know if general is the right word, but general therapies for kids with learning differences, not attention deficit disorder. But for, you know, the, and it may not be alphabetic phonics, it may be, um, Slingerland, and maybe take flight. There are lots of different, different ones. Um, so you know, it depends on the public school and which one they're using. But they should provide something, and then you can get speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, those kind of things through the public school as well, if testing shows that that's what your child needs. Yeah, I don't think. Our schools, our universities have done a great job training teachers in this strength-based model. And like if, um, if you have a child with attention deficit disorder and they're in a school setting, this book is great because it has a whole chapter of um, conversations you can have with the teacher. You know, you can encourage the teacher to read this because it does give a lot of um, um, advice on how to deal with these kids from a positive approach to, to help them be most successful. And, you know, really the majority of teachers out there, there's going to be a few that this isn't the case for, but the majority of teachers are, that are out there, they want kids to see, succeed. They would not be teaching in a classroom setting if they were not for kids and wanting them to succeed. And so most teachers are going to be willing to to work with you and especially if you come at it gently and not dogmatically and you know that sort of thing they'll um, you know they'll work with you and try to implement strategies that will help your child succeed and to, to tag back on what Suzanne just said we have never hidden this from Scott we have always been honest and excuse me honest and straightforward this is what you're dealing with have always tried to explain it at the level he was at at that time, but we've never, we've never tried to keep it a secret from even him, and have always encouraged him to be open about it. Which you know I think in part is why today he goes, you can tell him whatever you want to tell him. It's this, this is me, um, and so you know I think it's just like so much of the other things we've learned through people, through CR and those kind of things, um, bringing it out into the light always helps. Um, so, you know, we as parents have not kept it a secret and we have not, you know, we're not telling, making Scott go out there and tell everybody that he doesn't want to, but that it is, it is who he is. So, did you have another question? Well, this is absolutely, she asked, um, do I think ADD is on the rise? And this is absolutely my opinion. And I, a lot of these um, different authors address this too. I think at times it can appear it's on the rise, 
but it's not all ADD. It's that societal ADD that people will talk about because we do tend at times, and I've done it myself, so I'm not passing judgment, but um, we've overscheduled, we've overcommitted, we're rushing, and that can tend to look like ADD. I mean, I think you can see adults today that seem more forgetful, more impulsive, more um, distracted just because of all the things we're trying to do at one time. Um, but I don't think it's that real ADD is truly on the rise. I do think we're recognizing it better. We know how to deal with it better, you know, all those kinds of things. And so, you know, for that reason, it also, it also may appear that way, but I do think it's always been there. But I think it's been exasperated just by the way we have, um, you know, lead our lives today and the culture we live in. We used a private diagnostician, um, and we've ended up using her because with a child with learning differences, for them to get accommodations in school, um, and now for us, like for Scott to be able to take the SAT and the ACT untimed, and you know that sort of thing, you have to have current testing, and it has to be current within three years. If you're in a public school system, the, di the diagnostician in the public school system um, can can do that testing and they have to provide that service for free. Even if you don't attend the public school, like if you're in a private school, you can go to your public school to have that testing done. They'll try to run you around and put you off, but unless the law just recently has changed, they do have to provide that. So that's one resource. We chose to use a private diagnostician. Um, we have um, Scottish Rite in our backyard, and they, they do testing. Now, there is a long wait at Scottish Rite. You may have to wait four to six months, but the testing is very comprehensive. It's done very well, and it is um, free. And they will make you know, recommendations of what is needed once the testing is complete and diagnoses are made. Um, so those are, those are the three best options I know of, public school, private diagnosticians, and then, um, you know, utilize Scottish Rite. Just know that you'll probably have to wait a while to actually get in. Um, she asked about when Scott was on the stimulant medication, did we take him off in the summer? Yes and no. Some summers we did, some we didn't. It just kind of depended. Um, where he was at, what was going on. So sometimes we did, sometimes we didn't. Different doctors recommend different things. Um, you know, the medication he's on now is a, a buildup. It's not a, a, you know, the stimulants are in your system and out your system the same day. And the one he's on now is a, you know, you have to take it consistently to, for it to have any effect. So, um, you know, he stays on it all the time now, but we've done, we've done both. Michelle? It was either, and I should have looked up the dates exactly, it was either the summer between second and third grade or the very, the fall of third grade. So you're, you're saying your recommendation is No. 
No, that was just our story. Um, because, you know, up until that point, nobody was recommending testing. They weren't sure. Nobody could figure out what it was. They, everybody kept saying there's something, but we don't know what. And, uh, um, you know, I had to go through my, you're not working hard enough, you know, all that kind of stuff first. And in, in hindsight, I think it's because he does have um, a high IQ and he was compensating really well. And then he finally got to the point where he just could not compensate as well. Um, and we couldn't ignore ignore it anymore. But, I, you know, that, again, is very individualized. And, you know, I think you have to listen to the experts on that. But know your... Right. Yeah. I mean, I know kids that have been diagnosed earlier than that, and, and it was very obvious that there needed to, you know, that there was something. Not as much with ADD, but as with the learning difference. But I totally agree with Suzanne because what they what they typically say is that there are a lot of kids that just because of maturity or whatever take longer for things to click. But by third grade, it's either clicked or it hasn't. That before that, it may be okay that it hasn't clicked. They're still working. They're still progressing towards it clicking. But by third grade, typically, it either has or it hasn't. And that's, that's why a lot of kids are diagnosed around the third grade level. Yeah. I mean, there, there are teachers and parents that will push it prior to that. But that's um, more of an exception than the norm. And, and you will always be able to find a diagnostician that will do the testing. I mean, you just, you just will. I hope this was helpful. I hope um, that it's encouraging to you and helpful.